Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. Now I know I want these mugs. All right. Welcome back to Detroit is Different. And in the season of uh, bringing different people from the hip-hop world that I know. Actually, I don't even necessarily know if a lot of people even know from the hip-hop world this man. A creative, um, always dynamic, uh, one of the people that actually taught me a whole lot about showmanship, and I don't even know if he knows that, but he definitely gave a lot of game on yeah. uh, connecting with audiences. You'll be surprised what you can learn uh, to to keep the attention of a, of a bar off an eight-mile road where yeah. the pool table is very popular, and, and you got to get them <laughs> to a stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Yeah. Mr. Cool Beans, how you doing, my brother? What's up? You know, it's actually, I haven't used Cool Beans in a long time. Man. I don't care if you call me that, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, like now it's just my branding is mad important, so it's Dean Beans from here on out. Dean Beans. Yes, sir. All right. So, in many iterations, I know, but a creative. Yeah. Dean Beans, what's going on, my brother? Oh, my God. A lot. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I try to tell myself I'm going to just scale it down and just do this. And then whatever that this is turns into a monster and it just grows and it grows. So it's it's so much going on. Like I got a meeting coming up that I just didn't even you ever like not even try to do something, but it happened. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, first off, I, I don't even know if I'm giving people like the just do run credit opening. So. I gave like a little bit of taste, but creative in creative in production. So that's film, that's music, that's graphics. Uh, And and when I say that, I mean like one of the most creative people that you can meet. So like on a level of, you know, don't sit and talk about the limitations of where creativity can't go. In a room with this man, oh, because yeah. you tell me a limit. It's gonna be, it's gonna be like, well, you could, and it'll yeah. be hours, like on different gear, knowing capacity, knowing how, knowing why, which definitely leads to the classic Detroit is different questions, man. Yeah, uh, it, you know, it's it, it's not even about ability. Like people, when I tell people like what I really know how to do, mm-hmm. it's not music graphics film blah 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 i'll be like i'm a habitual learner Mm. like learning and application is my talent well i i I definitely tip my hat as somebody that helped master some of my music and a lot of other things let's just get into that classic detroit story your peoples how how deep are you in the city of detroit are you first generation second third fourth uh my family hit detroit in the 70s okay Okay, yeah, 70s. A little bit before I was born. Okay, so you were like almost like the first one in the D that was a D. Yeah, yeah, like my, my older brother, I would say, as far as my family, okay. is first generation Detroit. Detroit. He's three years older than me. So okay, so he, he got you by a little bit. Yeah, by, by a little bit. Okay. Um, Where, Whereabouts from? Texas. Where at Texas? Texas and Louisiana, Dallas. Okay, Dallas. And Louisiana, and I, I ask these Detroiters different questions because, yeah. like, um, 
it's different arcs and mm. it ain't a lot of people definitely from texas or louisiana and most people think that all the black folks came to detroit in the alabama and fort alabama and georgia yeah. are key yeah. that that's in most of my interviews that's where like hey it's almost certain streets where like like this was one of them like georgia pecans and the 80 summers it yeah. it was like having um it was like having the most valuable, like the the what is that? The uh, what's that that uh, Indiana Jones went for? Like the the Holy Orb. Grail or something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so is that? But Texas, Louisiana, a different yeah. feel, a different flavor, and then coming mm-hmm. in the seventies is a different feel and flavor into this. But yeah. what led them to the D? Uh, you know, it's funny funny story. I a lot of my family. I didn't know. Still now, didn't know. Like it was just my dad and my mom came up here, and my dad had already had some some kids. Yeah. And then they came up here and started having more kids, right? Okay. But apparently, my dad and my mom was into some shit. Can I say okay. shit? Yeah, you can. Okay. My dad and my my mom was into some shit. From what I'm understanding, they was yeah. on some gangster shit. Okay. And for whatever reason, they wanted to just get away. And Detroit and they, was one of the cities they was like they came up. No, that was their city of choice. Mm. They wanted to come up here. Why? I can't tell you. I had one uncle that was here already, so maybe okay. he convinced them. But okay. it was no other family, just them, and they came up here, and it's been Detroit ever since. What neighborhood? Six Mile Livernois. That's interesting because Bag, uh, Bagley um, neighborhood. Okay, so that Bagley neighborhood was yeah. where where the. That in the 70s, black folks, that definitely, what was that feel like? Oh, bro, I'm talking business owners, mm. celebrities, state representatives. These are my my neighbors, like Johnny Mae Matthews, a few houses down. Wow. You know, that's the, for those who don't know, that's the lady that first discovered the temptation. Mm-hmm. Next door. Mm. Everybody else, business owners, they rep a few da- few houses down. So she was watching the movie like, that ain't how it went. <laughs> but we was poor. How we was in this neighborhood yeah. with all of this wealth and Opulence what, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, to me, I, I, I don't even know how that even happened. Because a lot of the black families that moved to Detroit like post-60s were downriver... Uh, Southwest Detroit, mm-hmm. like those neighborhoods, especially like black, those exactly. were so coveted that they were like the they were the people that was like, hey, they was cutting their teeth from Black Bottom to right. get here, and or, the, or they stay close to the automotive plants. Yes, you know yes. they can walk to work if need to be. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how or and what, but maybe it, it was the hustle money. I don't know, but I know we wasn't. I can't tell you what our financial status was when my dad was alive, but when he wasn't alive, we was poor. Uh. And still in the same neighborhood. Okay. So your mom made it happen. Yeah. Yeah. She made it. She had to, you know. She had to work the system like, she had to learn how to work the system like a lot of people did. That's what's up. And she fed us off of that stuff. I got you. I got you. Yeah. We didn't even know. I didn't even realize how bad that was Mm. until today's time Mm. on what, depending on the system, would do to generations of people but it's it's like that song i have you know uh that line you know back then we didn't even know we was broke you know yeah. what i'm saying like you don't know till retrospect you look back at it and it's like what's like that that and that oh wow i guess i did grow up around all of that but it's different because mm-hmm. you know these people's names you know the 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 culture of it yeah so other things happening in that neighborhood uh 
U a D right there. U a D, Marygrove College, mm-hmm. and it's, then crack. Mm. So mm. even the beautiful neighborhoods, it got real hood, mm. real quick. Mm. Dope fiends, people getting killed, stabbed, seeing just seeing a a, a neighborhood just deplete. Seeing, I remember two doors down was a guy named Joe. You step on Joe's grass, he on your ass. Mm-hmm. But then Joe's grass looked like a war zone after a while, and he was a dope fiend. Mm. You know, those were the generation of people who started freebasing and didn't know how bad it was. And, and I, we we talk about this on this podcast often, yeah. where um, I, that's why I like some of the earlier seasons of Snowfall, mm-hmm. because as we say, like, Cocaine was seen as a glamour drug. It was like champagne. It was like it something of opulence, but it cost a lot. So it's like, okay, you got a cheaper version of the same product. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's like saying like, hey, don't you want to uh, uh, try what the celebrities are doing, what everybody yeah. in Hollywood is doing? And it's a different high. Yeah, and and, and it's and it's um, as as people know. Uh, even though heroin was in methadone and and I got this comes with many of my older interviews because people often make like the crack era seem like it was the worst. Some of the things that was happening throughout our community after a lot of the brothers were coming back from Vietnam due to heroin. Absolutely. And methadone. That was one of were vi- it was very uh, gut wrenching uh, for certain municipalities especially when we think about new york and uh, some of the other cities and shout out to matulu shakur and a lot of his work of using ear acupuncture as gmac uh, from al kibalon village right now is offering on sundays oh wow free ear acupuncture going into different forms of healing like what matulu shakur was doing Mm -hmm. because so many people were you know the government was providing free quote-unquote hits at the beginning of methadone to end up now you you went from being addicted to heroin to addicted to methadone yeah i mean heroin is a a physical addiction so yeah to get you off of heroin they have to get you addicted to something else And it's crazy because now they control that and you just going from one dope dealer to another. And, and that's where like the acupuncture treatments. And, yeah. And, and, and so people get the context of it. Uh, the acupuncture treatments were learned from a lot of people that studied under a lot of the Chinese and Eastern science because yeah. um, for this is Detroit is different history lesson. Yeah. Um, the reason China is usually seen as these big bad don't want and trust and everything is because of the opioid epidemic that they dealt with going back to a point where they said, look, all of the British people need to leave because Britain brought in so much opioids to the Chinese people and the way that they healed themselves was acupuncture. acupuncture. Hence, the thought process of the Panthers and Matulu and them was like, hey, we can probably use this to this. And and to this day, um, just... Ac- acupuncture works. Like, I, I know people who had... I mean, a cigarette addiction is not a heroin addiction. But it's a strong one. But it's an addiction, yeah. nonetheless. And I've known people who went and got acupuncture and was done Yeah. after that. And I'm like, well, I don't know what's in what y'all doing with these needles, but that shit is great. And that's and as we give just a, a larger lens to going back to that story of you being that kid watching this and witnessing this, yeah. this also is the birth of hip hop too. Yeah. So running concurrent, um, 
all of this like kind of happening mm-hmm. and you being that kid what schools you going to uh what what's what's the what's the music you listening to like when does hip-hop start like kind of coming in so i went to bagley elementary at the time okay and the music i was listening to is what my dad was playing all the time so my dad he wasn't in the band with parliament and them but he would practice with them ah so he was a bass player okay and so, so I he hear, was like one of them cool guys that was around and maybe able to um, handle some business if needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And George and yeah, my household is crazy, man. You, you know some. If you're from Detroit and know some people from Detroit, you probably got some George stories around. If you ask, yeah. ask enough, you know. What do I'm I saying? do I know any of them? No, <laughs> but I know I know he used to fool around with them, right? Yeah. So I was listening to funk all the time, and I, of course, as a little little kid, I didn't know the names of the artists. I just knew the sound, and I fell in love with this aggressive sounding music. Like my favorite instrumental is uh cool in the game junk jungle boogie wow this is so like for, for pop culture reference anybody that watches the movie pop fiction the movie and the music that sets the tone for that mu- music is the song he's talking jungle about boogie. so like the first thing you hear it's is aggressive. like you hear that loud yeah and it, it's hard man tarantino movies and music go hand in hand yeah So, yeah, so that style of music just always resonated with me. And then hip-hop hit the scene, and I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't hear Sugar Hill Gang. Mm. Didn't hear it. That was in the 70s, I believe, right? Late 70s. We were still on funk. Yeah. And, you know, funk was transitioning to something else. It was like disco and funk put together. Yeah, it was like uh, the, the, like, and jazz purists hate this stuff, the, the term. It, funk was becoming like smooth funk. <laughs> it was coming smoother. Hey, to yeah, be honest, yeah, it I was. Mean, like, and I like that stuff because that's, you know, I, my air. Like, like some of, and I love them. They're going to be coming, opening up uh, the club with. But like some of the stuff Whispers was doing, it just wasn't. Uh, here's a good example. You know, the, the two most famous Michael Jackson albums. Yeah. You know, Off the Wall. Yeah. And uh, Thriller. Thriller. Yeah. Those were funky albums, but they were smooth, funk. way smoother, yes. but still yes. had a groove to it. So I was still yeah. hearing funk, not knowing the name of it. I was a little, little kid. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't until later in the 80s, um, like when the Fat Boys and Run DMC came out, mm. then I started seeing kids. Walking around with boom boxes, and mm. I'm like, "What is this?" Because we was poor, I was just wasn't privy to a lot of stuff. Yeah, and then I'm seeing kids break dancing, and I'm like, "That's cool, I want to do that." Mm. And so when somebody had a tape in a boom box, I would just go where they was, listening what they to what they was listening to, and the only way I could hear hip hop was listening to a mix on the radio at nighttime when the Wizard came on, something mm. like that. And that was my introduction until I heard Rakim. Wow. And it was like, okay, now I'm listening to what they're saying now. Like, yeah, I heard LL Cool J, and all, but when I heard Rakim, I was like, what did I just hear? Because mm. these other guys were very elementary style rapping. Mm-hmm. He was real complex with syllables and, 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 and cool punchlines and stuff and his voice. And I was like, I want to do that. 
Mm. So at that point, and, and, and I like to even have this talk like 50 year anniversary, as they say, if yeah. people even with that and all mm-hmm. that. But like, it's a lot more attention around hip hop. And it's sometimes tough, like when I talk to my kid's sister about the start and, you know, you by, having me by a couple of days, but I'm still around in the 80s. And it's hard to even tell people like, yo, rap used to be some things that you had to like, you had to go out your way to find yeah, you had hip hop. You couldn't, like couldn't, it wasn't. It wasn't everywhere like it is now. Yeah. So it, it wasn't like you they, just grabbed onto it. It was like you had to. Go out your way to find it. And then furthermore, after you had to go out your way to find it, like getting the acceptance of it, because, yeah, it was still like a lot of people like that. Turn that crap off. What is that? (laughs) This ain't even music. I mean, you got to think about it. If it's 50 years in hip hop, that would make it 1973. Yeah. 1973. I was born in 75. Mm. I didn't catch on for real, for real till Rakim. Yeah, that so was later in the eighties, eighty-seven. Yeah, right. So it it wasn't as prevalent, no, as people may think it was. You know, New York was doing their thing and keeping it to themselves. It just happened to spread. Yeah, you know, we wasn't up on that. We were still cool in the game. Like I said, yeah. So so with that, like you and hip hop, and yeah. you, you hear Rock Him, and it's like I want to do this. I want to do that. How do you even move forward with that? Um. So. Unbeknownst to me, mm. I didn't know that this was a thing, but I started making pause mixes because okay. I needed something to rap Explain on. Explain what a pause mix is for people. And this is really old school. Yeah. So, and I promise you, I didn't know that other people was doing this. And you also have to explain what a tape deck is in this too. Wow. So you got a cassette tape. <laughs> <laughs> it was a medium of music at one point in time. Yeah, it's about, about this big for those who are looking. And it got two little wheels and it's actual tape in there. Like those, imagine a big reel to reel small. Yeah. That's what a tape deck was. I mean, a tape was. And then you had dual tape decks. So one could play, one could re record. This, this was usually your mama's system, meaning like Absolutely. your mama and my mama and his mama and mama's. Yes. Mama's system was one of the most cherished items exactly. in the home. So even doing a pause mix, you were you were risking whooping. But continue. Yeah. So <laughs> so the radio is on and it's they're playing mixes. And the reason why I recorded from the radio is because if they're playing mixes, they're playing things at the same tempo and it changes. All of this is like he knows this. But he's not even recognizing this yeah. is the DJ timing and stuff. I, I wanted the music to change. I didn't want it to just loop over and over again because that's what I was accustomed to from the funk stuff. Yeah. So um, what you would do is you would record a four, four bars from the radio of this loop and record another four bars of some other loop onto this one tape. Then you put the other tape in the tape deck and you record the first four bars and you stop it right where it's supposed to loop over at. You take the tape out, put your finger in and turn it just a little bit because you know that it stopped a little later, <laughs> like a millisecond later than when you wanted it to because the button ain't as fast as, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you turn it back, you put it back in, you rewind the other tape back and you make sure that it's going to start right at that point. And you take... You got your hand on the play button, 
your other hand on the play and pause button and you hit them at the same time and record that loop again. Stop it, same process over and over and over and over again until you got 16 bars. So now I want the music to change for the hook. Mm. That other loop from the other song that they blended in, I want that. Mm. So now I take that and I repeat the same process two times because it was eight bars. I didn't know what bars was. I just counted that way. And that mm. I was like, damn, I counted bars and I didn't even know what it was. Wow. So by the time I'm done, I got my verse music, my hook music, my verse music, my hook music, my verse music, my hook, and I let the hook play out. Wow. I got this instrumental and now I can write a song to a beat. Now, for everybody watching that, ain't no YouTube, ain't no like nah. tutorial on nah. this. This is like what you call school of hard knocks, trial and error. And remember, this is also with one of the most cherished possessions in your mama house. Yeah. So you are really, you risking, like I say, you risking a good whooping. <laughs> and, and if you don't have money to buy tapes... Mm. You're taking one of your mom's tapes. Okay, got, which is talk about how you do take a tape. <laughs> yeah, so at the top of the tape, it has these two holes at the top. For you to to be able to record on them, it's usually a piece of plastic that goes over the hole. Mm -hmm. Well, if it's a if she bought like Shaka Khan's album, the plastic piece is not gonna be there, which means your tape deck will not record over it. So what you do is you pretty much take a spitball, <laughs> you stick it in the hole, and then the tape deck recognizes that it's blockage there and it lets you tape over it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you just, I don't know where I got it from because nobody told me this. I was just like, I want to make some songs. Mm -hmm. And so then, here's the trippy part. If you take headphones. Oh, man, he went real old school record. Break it down. You take headphones and you put it in the microphone jack, you realize that your headphones is actually a microphone. Mm. So what I would do is, now I got the instrumental. I would put that tape in the one that just has the play button, not a record button. And I put a new tape in the new one. And I would sit next to the speakers with the microphone play it and rap into the headphones and it will record the beat and everything mm -hmm. through the speakers and all back in there boom worst wow. quality ever wow but i had a song wow i won a battle that way this guy was one of the battle rap and i was like all right and his verse was cold you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. i was not as sweet as him i didn't rap out loud i just played my song and they was like oh he got a song though <laughs> The song was horrible, man. <laughs> All right, let me let me tell you something. What Dean just broke down is like this is hip hop. Like this is what hip hop was yeah. in the foundation. It was very inventive. So like almost like every every time and, and and me being a little younger, like it would be rappers that like when you talked about Rakim it would be different bars set of all the time. My cousin, because he was a DJ, I was seeing all of this. Shout out Lumumba, DJ R2. So I remember when it was like, ah, the Fat Boys is cool. And then it's like, Houdini's cool. Then it's like, nah, but Run DMC is it's amazing. Yeah. And then Rakim comes and it's like, wait, time what? out. What did I just hear? Time out. It's like, and, and I remember it with Microphone Fiend. And it's just like, you hear it, and it's like, wow, he's 
he's he's going a step further than KRS-One. And it's like, okay, he's going a step further. It's almost like rappers are not only rapping, but they're inventing styles yeah. of rap and family. It's like we saw rap manifest before our eyes of exactly. like, oh, you can do that? Then Digital Underground comes out, and it's like, I like them, because back to that funk. And it's like, they're a band. Yes. And it's like, you can be rhythmic and, and, yes. and, and, and add that. And, and then it's like, oh, Tribe Called Quest. Like, you're, we're watching the invention exactly. of art forms. So it's real, hard, it's real hard for us to see it be redundant because mm. inventing was, was, was the everything. Was part of that what, yeah. Inventing was hip-hop. You see what I'm saying? Like, you had to be an inventor to be a dope artist. Yeah, like uh, the, the biting MCs, meaning yeah. like if you bit a style, like people would almost like disregard, like, oh, man, he just bit that whole style. You so a biter, get even... out of here. Like, ugh. But now everybody is the exact same style, the exact same subject, exact same voice. So for us, it's like it just, that shit is whack. Whereas I guess I would say I put on a different ear now. Like, I guess for me, what I say usually is I'm not in that person's audience, but definitely like in the yeah. feel and the vibe, it's like they're not, you know, expanding, even though their style got overused. I remember like it was like an emotion when I first yeah. heard Daz effects, they won't affect. I was like, wait, what is this? What is that? And they wasn't talking about nothing. No, they wasn't, but I just never heard nothing like boom, skipping it, boom, skipping it, boom, boom, I got the boom, boom. And it's like, it was like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't say that hip hop is not still evolving. It's just evolving much slower. It, it's you know? not as like, um, it was something being said like, Red Man, time for some action. When I first heard that song, it was mm -hmm. like, yo, this is different. Like, it, it's. It, I don't think that MCs take a level of, of like, oh, I want to bring something to the game. Yeah, nah. Like in one era before, like I want, like as you say, with Rock Him, Rock Him, you know, which to me, Paid in Full is, I think, one of the greatest rap albums ever. Yeah, stands the test of time for forever. Yeah. But even as dope as the album is, the remix of the song is like. What was Eric B and them doing? Yeah, but you know what? I have to say, I, for the first time, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm a late bloomer on on uh, this uh, payroll. Giovanni redid paid in full. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's dope. Wow, it's dope. Wow, but he's he's someone that I think when it comes to writing and the craft and has grown yeah. in it. So let's talk even about like if that's the start of like all you went through. And you're a gearhead. We were talking about gear and all of this stuff. Yeah. This is such as – I know the audience can tell. It's like this is not the usual interview. But oh, it's, it's not. like, But it's like, Dean, I, it's so many other things to talk about and, and, and just the music alone that yeah. becomes the gateway to everything else. When do you first get in the studio? Studio? Yeah. Well, that, that, that pause mix. That was my first studio experience doing stuff at home. And um, – I met DJ Dez right before I started going to high school. Wow. And he was he was like pause mixed 30,000. Like, Hilarious. Making stuff. I'm like, this is amazing. I don't even understand how you even doing this. And I was like, uh, can you make beats for me? He was like, no, you whack. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. You know. Shout and out Dez. Uh, shout out to Dez, man. Legend. Amazing dude, bro. Yeah. Of course I got offended at first. Yep. You know. But 
he used to be the DJ at Buy Right Records. Mm-hmm. And I would go up there. Oh, shout out Cliff too, Buy Right. Yeah, I would go up there and Dez would on the slide let me borrow records mm. to take and sample. Mm. So I would take the records and I would go to Mo Master Studios. Cliff probably still want to get uh, whatever money is old behind that right now. <laughs> I brought them back. I brought the records back. I brought them back. I promise I brought them back. But I would go to Mo Master Records and I would say, hey, can you take this part and loop that and then take this other part from this record and put it on top of that? I had no clue of what was in key, not in key. Mm. Just for whatever reason, I always chose the things that had the same key. Mm. And the tempo wasn't too far off. Yeah. Yeah, give me this. Like I remember um, it was a rap group called Rumple Tail Skins. Mm. Had a song called Attitudes. Mm -hmm. The drums was different. And I was like, give me them drums in the beginning of the song. It was different. So give me that. Boom, we got that loop. And then I took uh, Biz Markie. Uh, check him out. Mm. But we just took. And that's it. Loop that on top of that. And then. Das effects mm. say freaking the funk I be the ill uh, no I freaking the freak of funk I be the ill funk freaker mm-hmm. but the beat nuts said freaking the funk I be the ill funk freaker same line mm. so I put all of that together and this was the song and I wanted some other people on the song I wrote their verses mm. we went and did the song and I was so geeked. Not realizing that I'm being a producer at this point. Mm, you just really want the song. I just wanted a song. And I also want you to speak a little bit about, like, this is like hip-hop in the era where the rapper is really like the the the, the messenger of, like, rap was seen as, like, almost like comic book fandom. Like, like it wasn't seen as what rappy is now. Like, it was really its own niche, almost, it seems like. Yeah, like, rapping is not easy. Mm-hmm. Even though the, the lyrics were very elementary back then, that wasn't an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you are thinking of things that make people say, wow, mm-hmm. just from what you're saying. Yeah. And you have no prior knowledge of spoken word. Mm-hmm. You know, that was already a thing with Gil Scott Heron and all. You have no knowledge of this. You just hearing these rappers and you're like, okay, I want to learn how to do this thing that's still being invented. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So it, it wasn't as many rappers no. at all. Like in elementary school, it was two of us. Hilarious. It was two. The guy that I battled. That you battled and you. <laughs> and me. And listen, I was trying to do the talent show and I was like, let's do the talent show together. He said, man, you write something dope, I do the talent show with you. I write something, he'd be like, nope, that's whack. Mm. Write something else. Nope, that's whack. Write something else. Nope, that's whack. When I finally got something, he was like, yo, that's fresh. It was the day of the audition. It was too late. Mm. So I just went in our audition. But for those who don't know, I have a horrible speech impediment. Mm. Like I stutter like Porky Pig. Wow. And back then, I didn't have control over it. I can control it now. Mm. I got on stage, and I was so nervous. I didn't have no beat then. I wasn't doing the pause mixes then. Mm. And I was like, I'm just going to ask them to clap, and I'm just going to rap. Mm. I tried to do it. I stuttered so much, I didn't get one bar out. Mm. 
Mm. Teacher felt so bad for me. She was like, I'm just going to let you be on the show. Mm. So at that point, I realized that the first time I performed something, I fuck it up. Mm. To this day, mm. I got to fuck it up and then I got it. Because I did a talent show and, it, and they, I got such a good response that they had me do an encore of the same damn song. Just the claps, and the next day in school, my God, I was popular for a day. Wow! And so, yeah, it was it was different because you don't you just didn't have that many people doing it. Not everybody does it. Mm. So, so from this start and and getting going, yeah, you're learning the other crafts because similar, I think, to me, like when people say, "Hey, you do all this marketing stuff and all of this stuff," it's like these are skill sets I started picking up through hip hop. Yeah. Now I've gone to Walsh and I got a masters and all that stuff now, but still a lot of this stuff started in hip hop. Yeah. And I'm guessing a lot for you too. Everything. All this creativity. All of it did. Like it's all out of necessity, not because I wanted to do it. I wanted Dez to make me beats. Mm. I didn't want to make no beats. I just Mm. wanted to rap. Yeah. You know, uh, graphics. Mm hmm. I wanted somebody else to do graphics for me, but I didn't have enough money. I had enough to get a computer, though. Mm. So I was like, yeah, maybe if I just learn how to do this, then. So let's talk about that graphic journey, because you're amazing with that, too. How did you, like, what was the first thing you did? How did you even get into it? And and Um, why did you do it? So I was was working in the salon at the time, and uh, this guy... Uh, named Frank was doing graphics mm-hmm. and when I decided I'm about to take music serious and I started paying for um, studio sessions I needed a, a press kit hmm. this is a picture and some text so I go to somebody it took them a year to give me my stuff back wow and I was like this is some bullshit how do y'all make this graphic shit what, what, what do y'all use and he was like <laughs> well you gotta have a computer and this program called Photoshop I was like, "Why well, need one?" He said, "You can buy my old computer, and I'll leave Photoshop on it." Hmm. Sweet. So I got it, and a friend of mine had already was doing graphics, and I kind of just did some mock stuff, and I showed it to him. He was like, "This is the most elementary bullshit Hilarious. I've ever seen in my life." Hilarious. And I don't know why. I just don't get mad when people tell me stuff like that mm-hmm. because now I'm like, "Okay, what does good stuff look, look like?" like. Mm-hmm. And once I saw it. I get obsessed. Like, I got to be that or better. Mm. And I just start working at it and working at it and working at it until I got good at it. Now, it's interesting that you bring that up because uh, I don't know what year this is. Mm -hmm. So what year around is this? 99. Okay. Same year. My sister, almost the same thing. My sister, Dar, shout out Dar, uh, goes to this design art school in Chicago mm-hmm. from DSA. Yeah. And uh she did an album cover for MC. And I was like, damn, that's dope. Can you do something for me? Almost the same thing. Nope, but you can get down there and learn that. So this is Photoshop. For people who don't know, I want to say this may have been Photoshop four or five. Yeah. So talk about like no YouTube tutorial, no, no, Nothing. no help desk. Click a button, see you what it would do. Have to exactly. So I self-taught Similar to you, yeah. myself Photoshop. Yeah. And uh, until like I self-taught myself Photoshop from um from that time in '99 till I finally at when I was going to Henry Ford, I was like, yeah, hey, this will probably be easy. Where I finally took a Photoshop class, mm-hmm. 
and that may have been 2013, right? I never took so the class. So by the time when I took the class, I was even showing the, the, the professor like, oh, you know, you could do it this way. Yeah, you 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 could do it this way Absolutely. too. Absolutely, and, and like I knew, like from Photoshop for people that are old school Photoshop before it was like a part of the Adobe Suite and yeah. years and stuff. Like when it was Photoshop five, six, seven, eight, exactly. nine, ten, and it was like, oh, they finally got this, and mm-hmm. they got this, and they got that. Yeah, you get the crack code, meaning like you get the software, but it's you know not you stole it, but <laughs> yeah, but pre-crack, and that's why you got to update, yeah. pay monthly for your subscription now for your Adobe because Suite. of that shit. Yeah, but. Then, boy, boy, learning Photoshop on my own was it. It was difficult, but it is definitely still to this day one of the things I'm most proud about. Yeah, like like I said, I'm a habitual learner, mm. so I, I tell people all the time. So, if 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 the word obsession isn't attached to success, you ain't gonna have it. Wow. So when I want something, I am fucking obsessed with it. Like I'm constantly on it. Like I, I don't watch TV because I'm constantly on success. And, and, and now this is where you're similar to me because mm-hmm. you stay in the music world. Yeah. And now into so much stuff in video and film. And like I tell people, I stumbled into this because it's like if you know enough in graphics, mm-hmm. and then you know audio. Video is just the moving Absolutely. of the graphics on Absolutely. top of the audio. Yeah. And I got so good with audio, and I know you were, because I yeah. thought you you were like this. And this is where you know you really uh, uh audio junkie. I got to the point where I could look at a wave file yeah. and tell which word is which. Where yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when I do video around video, like I don't know if you've ever edited video edit, around people, then you expand the wave audio. file, Absolutely. and then the people say, "Why are you doing that?" And it's like, it's faster, it's easier. <laughs> It's way easier when you look at the waves. Yeah, absolutely. That's like, how, how I do teach you know people. where that is? And it's like, man, that spike right there, I I know was a. <laughs> I know he was like because because that B going yeah, absolutely, yeah. For all y'all nerds out there, I hope y'all like that. This is definitely, <laughs> I'm completely nerded out on this because it's, because people wonder, it's like, why are you expanding? The, you know, like, because people that go through so much of the formal mm-hmm. training yeah. video in such different ways than the self-taught people because it's like, I don't need none of that. And I can do this and I yeah. can go to that and I can go here. And like the ways I make overlays and graphics on top, people are like, how did you do that? And it's like. Sometimes it's even hard to explain. You just got to sit yeah. in the corner and if, watch me. If you if you video edit with Photoshop and Pro Tools in mind, you're going to kill a lot of people. Sometimes I do stuff and they be like, how did you do those special effects? And I'm thinking like, <laughs> I, I just did layers. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's, it's no, I did no special effects. I don't know how to do that. So, so with that, let's talk about when you first get into video. What led you for that? Necessity. Mm. Um, I couldn't afford music videos. Mm. So somebody um, wanted to give music video experience. And I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, I don't know what to shoot. And right then I wrote a treatment. I didn't know that that's what it was called. Mm. I was like, I want us to do this. I want the camera angle to do that. It's going to be this, yada, 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 yada. And I had this grand idea. We did the video. Wasn't that great, but mm-hmm. I was geeked because I had a video. Mm-hmm. Then we did it again, 
and my idea was the worst idea whatsoever. It, it looked like trash, and the guy who shot it, when I when I was like, I don't like it, he just disappeared mm. on me, and I was like, all right, we got to figure out how to get this stuff done because I'm seeing that the celebrities got dope music videos. Mm-hmm. Buster Rhymes got this video that looks like sperm going to an egg. Yeah, liquid, liquid Buster. You know what I'm saying? Like, Janet Jackson liquid. How am I going to be famous if I don't have this? Mm-hmm. So the more and more I would write songs, the more and more I would think about the visual. what the visual would be. And a lot of them never got done. Hell, the mass majority of them did never got done. But that mind frame always came, and I was like, whenever I get in the position where I can do this constantly, I'm going to make sure I do it constantly in some way, shape, or form. Hmm. And it went from that to me hiring guys that can shoot but can't edit. Hmm. Don't really understand directing. And I started directing the music videos, and it started getting better and better because I might not have understood the equipment, but I understood what I wanted, and I could translate it. Like, this is what I want you to do. No, take that clip, put that there. I want this kind of continuity, that angle. Nah, that looks stupid. Yeah, I just knew it. I don't know why, but I did. And it just grew and grew and grew until I opened up the studio for podcasting. And, like, now, because I want a dope studio for podcasting and I want it to be, quote, unquote, what I would consider better, than all the other podcast studios, I felt like I had to learn film more because the other podcast studios wasn't paying attention to film. No. So now comes the obsession. Mm. How can we be different? No, this, we gonna shoot this like film. Who do I study? Because we're we're essentially doing talk shows, mm. but talk shows aren't shot cinematically. Ah, you know whose is David Letterman. So I'm studying the hell out of David Letterman, looking at how the camera's moving, the angles. When it's a camera in the shot by accident, I'm seeing where it is, and you can see it moving. I'm looking at all of this stuff. And then I started watching YouTube. What cinematic shots mean this, give you this mood, colors, this, that. And I just got so heavy into it that here we are now. So let me say this, and I tip my hat as uh, this is the 10-year anniversary of Detroit is different. Okay. So I think Congrats. sometimes, thank you, I think sometimes like being on the block and I look at like uh, if if podcasting in Detroit is like, a, a, like if it's the mafia, I, I think uh, first IT and the D, uh, rest in peace day, but my guy Bob and what they've done with everything in podcasting is that's the lead. And then shout out Jer with everything he does with mm-hmm. Daily Detroit. Like it's a couple that are starting. And Detroit is different. It's been around yeah. long enough where like if you Google and look at iTunes, it's like, okay, they're, they're up there because just being in the space. Yeah. When you entered this space and I saw that and I saw the level of production as we said before we started interviewing, yeah. I'm like, yo, he kicking ass because I'm seeing it from exactly what you said. And it emoted in me and I didn't say it till you just said it, but I'm like, the level of production with the video is amazing because it's not just like people talking and turning on some damn cameras. It is telling a cinematic story mm-hmm. through video yeah, as well where it is at a level 
even when I saw like you were going through the design as as far as like you say people study everything. Yeah. Um, when you were designing the studio and I saw like some of the layouts and stuff and I'm like, yeah, that's gonna be dope because I'm like, he'll get a great depth of shot. That'll be a good place for things. I gotta see my guy Tom. Shout out Tom and everything he does. I gotta see yeah. his new studio set up out uh -huh. in Trenton that he set up. But like, I'm seeing the lighting. I'm seeing the intentionality. I'm like, yo. It is there. And when I think of the space, and I can't wait to get, now I got to really see yeah, what it is. Yeah, you have right? But, uh, but yeah, you've put the effort in where you have a hell of a studio, man. Yeah. And I'm still, I'm still, learning. still learning, still evolving. You know, um, I put up a post some days ago, and somebody, I say, I would rather be better than be the best. Hmm. Because my today's best is going to be somebody else's better tomorrow. Mm. So I always want to just stay better. And I feel that. And then even within this, this is the other thing that I feel like I've poured in. People, you know, applaud me and it's like, oh, man, you present so well and all of this. Mm -hmm. This is the other thing. As a performer, I learned so much from you. And we started kind of there like... For the longest, your voice would murder the mic. And for people that know, like, just the arc of uh, people don't know about a, that era being an independent rapper or being an underground rapper yeah. in this inner city, it's like you, you, you pay your dues, yeah. And as I was starting to pay my dues, it was you more so than most, and not just for me, it, like, I would say, probably like when I look at like my rap class era, you know what I'm saying, like, if we're like in high school or something yeah, like that. I got like you. me, um, I probably say like me, Danny Brown, Stretch Money, um, and I'm I'm bringing larger names into the mix of me. Yeah. For the people that know me, I think they know me more for what I did with my band and and that music more so than like my hip hop stuff. But oh, okay. Like in that era, it would but we would learn cues from like, okay, you're getting better. And this is how you knew you were getting better because you would come in at like nine o'clock and sign the list and you'd be performing at like one fifty eight. <laughs> that means you're not doing that good. Yeah. And slowly but surely. You start moving up. You start moving up to the point where you get to the point like where you like hostile J Kid. Yeah. And Mo Dirty, uh yeah. the Wolf Pack, where you almost walk in whenever and then Oh, we got to get on the mic. Yeah, yeah, see, what, what, what people got to realize is, and I'm going to admit that it's very unfair. <laughs> <laughs> when you paid your money to come in and 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 display your your art, yeah. where you see yours, you see your name on that list. Yep. And then when you think you're supposed to come up, your name don't get called. Yeah. Until later. But at the end of the day, if you want to keep that open mic going, you have to keep the show um, good, mm. you know. And some people sign that list, and you know they're not good. So you got to place them in a in a time frame that ain't going to kill the mood of the show. Yeah. Because if you call up too many back-to-back -back not good acts, people just start going home. Yeah. So it was a lot of pissed off people. But my thing was the least I could do is pull that person to the side and educate them a little bit. And that's what you always did. Cause your, I learned like people, people trip out. Like even when we just did the light of the motor city, Kwanzaa Kanar of like getting people to like, all right, I'm going to say this and then y'all going to get a little louder. Then I'm going to say this and then I'm going to get a little louder. Then I'm going to say this and then I'm going to get a little louder. It's like, 
okay, I saw Mo Dirty do that. And then when I saw you do that, and I don't know who's first or last or whatever, mm. but then you see, it's like, okay, D, Mo Dirty's amazing at this. Yeah. Dean got it on a whole nother level of like, like, and, and, and when I say this, I mean, I mean this, meaning like the, yeah. the hardest crowds to get, and I've performed for larger audiences as well. Yeah. The hardest crowds to get are when you almost can see all the faces in the room. Yes. And people are kind of looking at the game. Mm-hmm. This guy talking to the girl. Yeah. These people over at the pool table gambling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you got to grab their attention. You got to command that attention. Period. You got to command it. I, I don't know who these rappers is. I don't know what this is. I just came out because this the bar around the corner. Yeah. Getting that crowd taught me so much even in presentations now yeah of knowing it's it's about like it's eye a, contact it's, a, um, it's still a performance even when you're public speaking it is a performance yes like why do people think martin luther king moved so many people with his voice he was singing the whole time yeah you know why do you think tupac had that same effect because he was singing like martin luther king while he was spitting you got to command people's attention. I remember somebody was on stage and they was trying to get the people up and they said two words that I never say on stage. Hilarious. Come on, y'all. You're asking them. Mm. No. Get your fucking hands up. That's how it was. You know what I'm saying? And on top of that, I would write the crowd in my songs. You you definitely, like, the song I remember that we all love, like, to the point where, like, it became, and this is where it's like, oh, production is in this and everything. And we yeah. hear, he had a song called I Motherfucker. I Motherfucker. I knew he was going to bring where, that up. <laughs> where it's like, it was very conversational. Yeah. But it was points in the night where we knew, okay, when that song comes, it was, because this is the other thing. <clears throat> it's not a lot of, even to this day, like. It's not a lot of spaces welcoming a lot of hip-hop. The yeah, reason facts. the space is welcoming hip-hop is more than likely it's a bar probably on its last legs Yeah, that just wants to keep some drinks going. Yeah, Historically, rappers don't buy alcohol. Yeah, Rappers drink alcohol in the parking lot. <laughs> so, but, yeah. but, so... This is true. So with it, genius enough to create a song where it's like, oh, let's all get a drink. And it's like, okay, are we drinking because it's a drink? You ain't even really thinking. And then this is the song. And then it's like, we going to have a shot. And then y'all already know where this is going. It's incepted. It's similar to like like a sports arena. Like this stuff is, is but it's you're, you're in the crowd. You're in the flow and you're there. And you don't mind that your name is number four on the list. But you waiting past 12 other people because yeah. I motherfucker just came on. Yeah. So my thing is, so... If you look at the history of performance, when you seen a great concert, mm-hmm. when did you see a great concert that you didn't participate in? Hmm. There's no such thing. So in real life, you're not coming to see somebody perform. You're coming to perform with them. Hmm. So with that in my in my in my my head, y'all are gonna be a part of my song. So even if you've never heard of me before, by the time I'm done doing that song, you know the words to that song. Mm-hmm. Because I put you in it, yeah. You know, I motherfucker was a goofy song. Yeah, I was literally just saying, if you did this, this, and this, and feel this way, say I motherfucker. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Well, if you agree, you're going to say it. And I made sure I said stuff that I knew everybody agreed with, you know, and it just worked like that. And I got tons of songs where they're just relatable and sing-alongy. And, 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 but in that, also other things, knowing how to hold a microphone, knowing yes. how to project your voice, Absolutely. knowing how to be heard, having yes. a good enough mix where it's played. Because you know, more than likely, the places that will have you perform hip-hop will have shitty sound shitty systems. Mics, but... so, and mics. So you have to create under that, because that's when I had to come to you, where you was like, let me master this. And it was like, okay, you have to have songs like this that convey, and it will have a different response. Yes. Absolutely. And, and and like you say, it's like the ego is like, I know what I'm doing. I got studio stuff. And it's like, nah, he was right. And then it's like, oh, that starts connecting. Yeah, you got to get rid of the ego. People walk into a club and let's be let's just be real. They get on that stage and they want everybody to ride. They, they nuts. Period. That ain't what they there for. They ain't, they ain't what they there for. They there to have a good time. And it's your job to make sure that that happens. I'm going to throw another monkey wrench in the game. If it's a hip-hop show, underground, chances are, let's say the crowd is 200 people. We at, we at the shelter. Mm-hmm. Of those 200 people, probably 100 are other rappers themselves. And exactly. the people associated with those other rappers. So my mind is focused on my homie getting on stage. Exactly. So I got to win over these other people connecting exactly. to what they're doing and then they have to get in the vibe. But this, so so the the art of underground rap can teach you so much, or at least it taught me, in, in knowing how to grab a person's attention. Yeah, you got to say what they feel. When you writing that song, quit thinking about you. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I always say the easiest song to write is the ones you've lived. Right. So, so it's so funny. A project, and I want you to pick up that Go because ahead. a Reddit joke me and Nick Speed make, and now I want to probably put you in on a mockumentary, kind of like Spinal Tap. Okay. I want to do like a mockumentary about about a, a open mic <laughs> hip hop <laughs> night <laughs> because it's so many things as you say, like you learn about like because this is the first thing people do, you know, like like rappers will project into the audience things you ain't even thinking like they'll be like yeah i just got from the studio but i'm feeling this shit so i don't even know it but i'm gonna do it so now you just already told me you don't care hey this is a song don't nobody like but i'm gonna do it or here you, yes. you shame the audience y'all probably don't feel nothing like this because y'all so used listening to the other Absolutely. Like, i didn't think of none of this stuff but you it's just all psychological you just gave me the the disclaimer to basically not like your music it's all psychological man you gotta you gotta one half talent you know what I'm saying? You got to have talent. I don't care what nobody say. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. But you got to be relatable. Yeah. And you have to stand out because you can be relatable, but you can be so redundant because everybody else said the same thing that ain't going to do you any good. You know, you have to think about who you are performing in front of. People normally just think about themselves. I've seen tons of people get on that stage and bomb. And when they got off, they felt like they killed that shit. And I was like, do you not see everybody talking to each other while you performing? The, the, everybody left the dance floor and you think you killed it? No, you, you didn't kill it. You put me in front of a 1,000 people, 500 people, two people that don't know me or nothing. I'm going to captivate them because I care about them having a good time. Mm. And that's where most people fail at. Mm. 
and I do have this with it because, like I say, so much game from a lot of you all. But you even knew, like, when Stretch came with Takes Money to Make Money. Like, a lot of people say, oh, that became a hit because the video was on all the underground uh, DVDs. I've never seen it. Which was true. But you knew immediately. It was like, yeah, this. It was a record. This going to get out of here. When when Tone Tone came with What Up, though, it was like, this going to get out of here. Yeah, but it wasn't Take Money to Make Money. When, uh, and that is no shot to, at, at to Tone Tone. tone it, but it, it, it Takes Money to Make Money was was the perfect storm of rap songs. When uh when KDZ did In My Hood. In My Hood, same thing. It's going to get out of here. But you got to, the melody, it takes money to make money. Mm-hmm. I can't let it get away from me. Mm-hmm. Who don't feel that? And then Stretch, the way he was rapping on that beat, nobody was rapping that style. No. Some, 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 the phone, the phone, the phone, He was getting busy, mm-hmm. and street dudes was loving it, not realizing that was a whole MC, like, spitting bars. Yeah. You know, it was a perfect song. It was, it was, it was easy to listen to, easy to remember, and it was relatable. Yeah. You know, K-A-D-Z. Up from Joy Road, exit nine, come up off the freeway. If you went from rounding, you better be easy. Who is not going to get that? And they did something different. They slowed his voice down. They did the DJ screw just on the voice, on the whole song. Yeah. The beat was hype. It was a perfect storm of a song. Yeah, like those performances were song performances where you wanted to be higher on said list, <laughs> but you had to earn it because you had to earn it was that. like. They're there. And, and 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 all of this stuff from hip hop to now this world in podcasting where you're helping people craft that voice and still giving that same coaching. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of the same principles apply. Yes. But just in different worlds. Yeah. You still have to be entertaining. If you if you want to get in front of a bunch of people and you want to captivate them, I don't care if it's politics, I don't care if it's church, rap, podcasting, acting. You have to be entertaining, mm. and I'm not saying you got to be goofy or saying something like, or something like that. But something has to spark something in that person that's watching you to make them want to continue to be a patron of whatever you're you're doing. You have to be entertaining. So when people are in the studio and I see them going, so um, the first time, um, let me see. I'm like, you just lost them. Yep. You just lost them. Yep. Because nobody wants to watch somebody that don't know what they want what, what they got to say. It's back to that disclaimer that you gave me at the hip hop shows. It's it the rapper that gives the disclaimer, and it's so many rapper disclaimers that do exist. Yeah. You absolutely. Know? So in a world of podcasts, know what you're gonna say and be brave enough to say some bold shit. You know, those are the things. I mean, you just got to you got to read the room. You got to know the, the the climate of your own market. The second you say something that piss people off in pie in the podcast world, you won. But you better have a good explanation behind it. Well, like, I mean, right now this happens to be it, it, it'll it air later. But this happens to be on the day of oh, you seen Cat Williams on Shannon Sharp on the club. Shay Shay. Like right now, the Cat Williams because Cat Williams doesn't do a lot of interviews and just mm-hmm. the provocative things he's saying. Yeah. I, I think that 
it's definitely a arc and I've been in the zone with some definitely Josh podcast and even yeah. some Detroit is different podcasts. Yeah. I, I want to say the podcast that I did with um with the brother just talking about everything happening in Niger received like international attention. Yeah. Just because of the pieces and how we're putting it together and me understanding where this will go cuz it's going sometimes things can be said yeah, and I tell all the podcasters, it's like, look, I'm gonna stand, but whether I agree or disagree with what you're saying, if you stand on this, I support you for having free speech because I'm Absolutely. one of the people that believes say what you want to say, but you got to believe in that because if the smoke comes, the smoke gonna come, and I'm gonna and give you better, you better have something to say. I'm gonna give y'all a classic example, which it almost may get the smoke coming again. Uh oh, the week of, and you probably know, uh, <laughs> you probably know him from Gank Move and everything too, but. The week of um, the week of Michael Vick getting those accusations and charges, right? Come on, with the dogs. Yep. Yeah. I was on. I was on HPR. Okay. Michigan Citizen Show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yo, man, you want to come up here?" I'm, I called Jerome, Bettis' brother and shit. I'm yeah. With him. I've never seen the phones light up that fast. I didn't even know. Yeah, controversial white sales. folks was listening to this podcast. I mean, listening to the show. So the phones lit up, bam, even faster than when I interviewed Most Dev. Because the arc we was coming from was just from the arc of like, okay, um, what's going on? And this is before we even knew uh, everything that was released about what was happening to the dogs. Yeah. The treatment. We just looked at it like, why are they taking away his job? It for this, yeah. that triggered something where it's like, okay, the relationship between dogs versus how people look at it in a public forum space, it's going to trigger some emotions where if you ain't really a, ready to a stand on that. A lot of conversations. A lot of conversations. If you ain't happen. really ready to stand on yeah. that, then it's probably a world you don't want to explore. Yeah. Everything I said, I definitely stood on, but I wasn't expecting that type of response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about podcasting that's different than music. Sometimes you can say, I got a hit. Yeah. And it be one. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you're wrong, but you can say, damn, this is a hit. And, and you got one. You put that hit out with the purpose of being a hit podcast and you're just putting out stuff and then something pops and then sometimes like i've learned and then in my 10 years of doing Mm -hmm. this uh one of my most listened to podcasts was when i interviewed andrew yang i interviewed him at a tech economy conference in detroit years ago and when he was running for president but more so specifically when he was running for mayor of New York City. Yeah. That podcast got so many more listens. So they were taking bits and pieces of things that I was saying. Yes. Because you don't know because this is still archived. Like a person can pull up an interview from 10 years ago where you said something just maybe, you know, you that you don't even think would have been uh, off-putting. Like, uh, I don't think the Lions ever going to get to the playoffs. And now the next thing you know. Bam, Lions in the playoffs and somebody like, well, I see here you never believed in the Lions. Exactly. You never know. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, once you once you once you understand this art form, mm-hmm. then you just know how to pull those strings when you need them pulled. Yeah. You know, I got stuff that if I wanted to cause a little controversy or conversation, I'd be like, let's talk about this and I'll tell you something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you put that out as a clip, it's it's gonna move because I know that controversy is going to move. It's just I don't want to base my whole existence on controversy. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm asked, 
gonna tell the story because it's, it's the truth, you know. But that's what it is. People are just look at it, man. Look at the news; it's all negative. Look at TV, all negative. Murder, yada yada yada. People are attracted to a lot of what bullshit. I consider, yeah, a lot of bullshit. But also having integrity to to continue to walk the path where it's real, because I think it's a different audience you get because this is the other thing you can end up in so like uh like a brother like i never met him but he's definitely uh as they say in this world like a an influencer like so like a brother like charleston white i think when you set a pace at that pace now you're setting a pace where the art form itself is trolling in certain ways it is and if their art form is to troll you always have to outdo the next performance yeah. of what that was because it's like oh we already know he did that yeah he's we already a, know he's he did a... that we already know he did that we already know he did that where now you're going to have to continue to raise the bar of whatever that is but don't you think he was a little more strategic than the average troller oh i definitely think so because he was saying a bunch of bs that would piss off a lot of people and then i seen this video he was like yeah when I was doing the quote-unquote right thing, going to these government meetings and all of this stuff, y'all ain't want to hear. But the second I start talking like y'all ignorant rap niggas, now y'all want to listen. Okay, so I'm going to give it to you. And lately, he has been saying a bunch of real stuff. And, and this is where I guess it becomes tough. Um, and this is like, I guess, the bigger discussion even in freedom of speech. Yeah, It's, it's this. It's discernment and critical thinking skills. Okay. Meaning the packaging sometimes can distort what a person, how certain people receive information. Mm -hmm. I'm the type of person that is like, no, nah, I want to hear it. I'm, I'm the person that's like, I don't want to get the snippet. Of Everybody ain't you though. The Donald Trump speech. I want to hear the full context of it and make my own thought of what was delivered as opposed to, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to uh, the the snippet and the soundbite to be edited, especially being that like I'm in this art form now, and the packaging sometimes does have a it will it will impact how I'm going to perceive it because part of the packaging itself is how I'm going to be receiving this information. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm not going to take the game because mm -hmm. you're right. He does give a lot of game where it's a like, lot of good game. I agree on a lot of what this brother said. You ready for some but, controversy? Where we go? I'm about to give it to you. If Martin Luther King was cockeyed and had bad teeth, yeah. do you think everybody would have followed him? I do not think it would. Absolutely not. Right. Now, I'm not saying that he didn't have something to say and he wasn't an educated great man. He was. However... He was chosen to be in that position because he's a handsome man. He was very charismatic. He knew how to speak. He could capture a crowd. So people got to realize their own bullshit. You will not listen to somebody unless you're attracted to them. I, 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 now, now we talking complete marketing and laws of attraction. Absolutely. And, and, and really mad men. If, if people ever watch that show mad men get some time it's some interesting that talks about like really the arc of it but here's another classic one uh in one of my marketing classes yeah uh, i think there was who had me watch this was it ratner's Racka? ratner's Racka had me watch this it's a it's a uh, documentary called art and copy 
mm-hmm. uh, PBS special just about like some of the foundations of marketing and yeah. things like that. But cigarette smoking, cigarette smoking was never um, something that was very big, but. The ad company at the time said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to hire 200 models that are blonde, blue-eyed women, and we're going to put them in the shortest skirts of the time. And I want to say this is like the 1940s, mm-hmm. a little bit after World War II. St. Patrick's Day Parade, we're going to have them walk the streets smoking cigarettes. And they're going to be seen and captured in the New York, in all of the New York papers. And it'll probably get picked up in, in all the other papers. Mm-hmm. That triggered press releases into uh, housewives like smoking cigarettes. It helps them relieve stress. Absolutely. This was like one of the biggest pushes that opened up cigarette smoking in women. And that actually opened up a lot of men to smoke cigarettes because it's like, well, if I got a pack on me and she's smoking. Exactly. And, attractive women smoke so it's like attractive women smoke cigarettes yes leads to women it's like i want to feel attractive back to exactly what you say right. so i'm gonna smoke cigarettes yeah. i'm a man i want an attractive woman so psh, i'm gonna keep yeah. a pack of marble on me right so now this is where that goes yeah here's they another call it, go ahead go ahead i'm gonna let you finish another uh i was gonna give another analogy but continue going yeah, where they, you're going. they say the law of attraction and i don't call it that i say the law of being attractive interesting you know um here I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna throw some 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 names out, um, and these are all people that really have something to say. Let me say that first and foremost. And if you take this out the clip, make sure you put that in there. These people got something to say, and oh, I I don't cut. I, we broke. Okay, they got something to say, and I enjoy what they say. You tell me if they look good. Randy Rosario mm-hmm. looks good. Yeah, right. The whole their whole cast of. Their show, um, tonight's conversation. These are good looking people. They all got great things to say. Yeah. I see other people that have good things to say, but they don't look as good. Yeah. Not as much attention. Now don't not get me the wrong. Traction. Now don't get me wrong, they got great production as well. You know what I'm saying? So I'm yeah. not saying it's just attraction. No. Uh, Ajna. This is a short chick. She wears a cowboy hat and glasses. She sits in her car and she talks about you know, like self-help type stuff, but sometimes she go off too. She's very beautiful. Yeah, I found myself captivated by this woman mm-hmm. until I heard her talk real mean. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But I was captivated because she was saying good stuff, and I'm looking at her, and she's using her sex appeal, mm-hmm. right? Um, Lindsay Renee from Detroit. Mm-hmm. She has a show called The Rhythm and Soul Patrol Show. Mm. She's a, just a young lady who has a radio show where she plays very old school music. Cool. And it's really dope to see this young person's into appreciation. S- yes. I mean, she got an old school record player with the horn on top mm. of it. She's extremely beautiful, but you can see she arches her 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 back and mm. perk up. And, and she's naturally just sexy, but she's also naturally gifted. So yeah. when you put those two things together, you got tons of people doing the same thing. But why are they not as successful as these people? It's because they got extra. They got to say, okay, talent, talent, boom, we both got talent, right? But then you got this charisma and this beauty. It's captivating. Everybody's captivated by something that looks good. Men might not want to even say, yeah, I'm paying attention to this guy. And subconsciously, it's easier on my eyes because it sounds gay. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But let's keep it real. 
if Forrest Whitaker was doing It Is What It Is, mm-hmm. would you watch it? I think, and I love uh, Godfather in Harlem, but I, I, I would be tripping out on it. But I feel you. Would it be I, as I big as Cam and Mace? I, I don't think so. But I, I also think that in that, I guess I would say it's knowing who your audience is and who your voice is. So, like, in knowing your audience and your voice, you're going to feed into your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Because in that same vein, Oprah's whole celebrity, to me, was the audience was specifically a lot of uh, white housewives that at the time were dealing with the fact of feeling as though they were not welcome to take on the independence and live the life that they really truly wanted to lead. Uh-huh. Hence, Oprah's struggles with weight and not being like a, a, a Diane Carroll of her day mm-hmm. actually welcomed her into the home of those women because of that more so. And I think if she were a Diane Carroll, they would not have watched her. Okay. But it's hence like you got to know who your audience Here's is and why you're pursuing that audience. She become a billionaire before or after plastic surgery. Billionaire after, but I think she would have... I believe that the the weight struggles was actually one of the things to hook her in. Well, that's what I'm saying. Let's 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 take the word beauty out of it. Yeah. People need something to look up to. Okay. To to look forward to. And 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 I guess I would say if you know your audience the right way, and I guess this is just like the the meeting of the minds, then you it's an audience. For it. Now, your right. audience to maximize, and that's the cool thing about artist content mm-hmm. creation, your audience may maximize at 5,000 people. So the talk I give every podcast yeah. is this. I tell them, I tell them, you need to know your voice and know your audience. I think it usually takes about 100 podcasts to really get to that point. But furthermore, the example I use is you go to any hotel they got the golf channel on there. And the golf channel is one of the least watched channels on television. But the reason they got the golf channel right. on every every hotel mm-hmm. is because the person that watches the golf channel, when you look at the arc of where they're at mm-hmm. in life and assets, yes. is the type of person you want coming back to your hotel. Absolutely. So the example I use is mm-hmm. I don't know anything about yachts. Or anything. Mm-hmm. But if I started a podcast today called Tying Knots on Yachts and I did it for two years straight yeah. and I only get 500 listeners, I still think I could probably sell a commercial ad for $10,000. Absolutely. Because the person, the 500 people that are listening to a podcast yes. called Knots on Yachts yes. are the type of people that either operate the yacht, mm-hmm. own the yacht, mm-hmm. or about to buy a yacht, I got influence enough to buy a yes. yacht. And if I own a yachting company and knowing that I assume the average yacht sells for well over uh, probably $700,000, what I'm thinking, it's a drop in the bucket to talk directly to that audience yes the biggest podcasting content creator is actually tom's cousin Mm -hmm. and what she does is she rates model trains right but it's so niche and it's so specific that is the key words it's a niche audience yes what you gotta understand it's a difference yeah what i said about looking good and all of that yeah that applies to pop culture only mass audience yes it only applies to pop culture 
yes. when you're in a niche audience, nine times out of ten, that niche audience don't like that superficial shit. And that's where that's where we talking the same. So hence, you need to know whether you can get in this lane of what's niche and what's not niche right. and where things go. It's a reason that the ABC, I forget the ABC anchor woman looks like, and she's going to probably moderate every presidential debate or, yeah. or her. She's going to moderate the one, but she's very attractive. How we say, and like when we say that, and I'm she probably know how to talk. She probably got the, the yeah, talent definitely. with it, you know? But I, so I'm not, I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying yeah. just the looks. I'm not saying that like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I, I want to make sure we say that yes, because it definitely. can easily yes. be taken. Yeah. Somebody's going to take a clip. Yeah, and be like, you gotta Martin Luther King. Only reason why is because yeah, he looked good. No. Like, no, we're not saying it that. Plays, I'm just saying it plays a role, but it, it, it's in that particular market. And that's the beauty uh, to me of the content creation world of YouTube and podcasting is that the niche audiences, the the you other lunch tables uh, in high school Absolutely. now have whole worlds exactly. that you can dive deep into. Right. So, see, I tell people all the time. One word that you say does not exist, and it's everybody. You will never get yeah. everybody. No. Beyonce, Michael Jackson, don't get everybody. I see people saying that they can't sing, which is absolutely crazy to me. Yeah. But you can't get everybody. You So you got to know who you're talking to. Yeah. And a lot of people want that pop culture crowd. And I'm sorry, if you want that pop culture crowd, you got to play the pop culture role. Now, I agree with you there. You know, and it's not just looks. It's also content. If you want pop culture, but you're talking about molecules, you reaching for the wrong crowd. Yeah. And, and to me, I, I don't tell people what to do here, mm -hmm. but I do... I do just try to give them that stern talking to like everybody's going to talk about Will Smith smacking Chris Rock. I think it's better to be in a niche lane. And this is also what I've seen because the world of content is so vast. Yeah. Sometimes if you're that you become just whether just I'm just speaking real mm -hmm. by happenstance, you become a subject matter expert through creating enough content. Cause it's like, who does that? Who 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 does that? Yeah. Like with Detroit is different. It's like, oh, he do like the black political stuff. So it's sometimes people call me and and it's like, eh, I'm straight on that. Not me, but I can refer you to this person. Right. But opportunities start coming your way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes content just rolls that way. Yeah. Because if you're in that lane of like, if you're in that lane of 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 uh, here's an industry that's growing that I have more interest in. It's the the non-alcoholic cocktail industry. Hmm. So if a person starts rating okay. the non-alcoholic cocktails, and because this younger generation is weird, they, they may do harder drugs, they'll do Percocet, but they're not like They don't drink like we do, yeah. Because the, the sugars and the, and the weight that it puts on yeah. and everything. Hence, this is really impacting bars and beer and a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, got it. So it's an industry for non-alcoholic cocktails and non-alcoholic alcohol, for instance. Wow. Now, if a person hops on that wave now, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking it may be like a bar like that at my natural hair show or something like that, yeah, you're going to basically come and be a subject matter expert of that. I don't want to say in no time, but but eventually later. 
because you're, you're learning. Yes, and you're and you're growing, and they're like, oh, they've been on that shit. Talk, yeah. to, talk to my mans. Talk to her. They 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 know what it is. Exactly. You know? Like like at at this point, when somebody asks about podcasts, mm-hmm. I get tagged all the time. Yes. Like I'm the guru of podcasts. I, I've seen me, you, and Miles. Shout out to and everything they're doing yeah. with podcasts. Like, hey, where should I get a podcast? Sometimes it'll be like the three of us always. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I want to, you know, especially like this new year time. Like people oh. always say that. And it's like, and, and with it, and it's like, f- so people know, ain't no static amongst the three of us. Oh, no. Nah. It's all Absolutely love. Absolutely not. We all work in our path, even uh, Motor City Woman. Like, I want more content to come Motor out. Motor City Woman's still doing their thing in Southfield. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, well, I think they're getting a new location and getting everything straight because this is harder than a lot, I think a lot of people make it to be. Yeah. So, see, all of y'all are like... I would almost say like my parents in this. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Like we're because we're, I wasn't doing it. We're we're like uh like if this is going back to uh hip hop and stuff, we definitely like Grandmaster Cass and stuff like that. You more in like the who the Houdini, the the Run DMC, the you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like like um Mark D from Seven Seven Mile Radio. Yeah. I was a guest on his show. Yeah. Uh uh Candyman Fatal, I was a guest on his show. Yep. Um, Cave Ray Radio Broadcast. Even what Trick Trick is doing in them. Yeah, I, I well, you know me and Trick don't don't really know each other. For mm. real, for real. Okay. Everybody, everybody else know him. I know of him. Okay. Never even shook his hand before. Mm. Um, Chris Massey show. Oh, he's love. Hey, Chris is actually like the OG OG. Exactly. And I need him to. I, I, he's my he's coming here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, so these are all people who was doing it, and I had no interest yeah. in being behind the board. I wanted to be getting interviewed because I got some songs coming out. Mm-hmm. So I got all of this from y'all. Mm-hmm. It's just once, because of y'all, I knew it was possible. It's just I had to figure out what my thing was. What your lane is and yeah. how you want to approach it. And, yeah. and And that is the number one thing that I would like to tell everyone in this space. Like, please... Don't let your motivation be what I've usually hear. It's like, and this is what I usually hear. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> we can close out a little after this. What I usually hear is, man, I got a lot of shit to say, and everybody always come to me. And it's like. Oh, my God. And it's like. Our conversations be the shit. Yes. Be like, it actually don't. Y'all just be high. It's like a conversation to like to unpack what that is and, mm-hmm. and, and where that's going and, and, and really get into it because it, it is going to have to have arcs. You got to have thing it to me or, mm-hmm. or you don't have to, but I think this creates better production. Agreed. Meaning to have themes, to write descriptions, to have segments, to, to, to have a non, here's a classic one, don't have a guest-dependent show. And I know people be like, well, you I always agree. Inter- interview Totally guests. agree. As much as I have guests, the, 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 the guests are accents to actually telling a collective story of the culture of Detroit. So the guests are the, 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 the tapestry of a Detroit story. For a podcast, I will agree with you. Mm-hmm. Right? So my show... This I don't even 
except for a whole ass podcast, I don't use the word podcast. Yeah. Because I'm really on television. At yeah, I was going to say, remember, I said it's broadcast. Yeah, so when I do my show, it is definitely guest-based because I'm doing a late-night television show. Like, you can't do that without guests. Wait, wait, wait. My show, but still wait. I still would, I still push back at you even from that because the vibe what you're creating with the late night show in the field is, it's still experiential. It's it's just like, I like that you say a letterman. As much yeah. as it's like, I want to see how letterman's going to engage with the guest. So the guest, yeah. when you have a guest driven show, this is to me what a guest driven show is. Yeah. I'm watching because I got I got a Detroit Lion on. Meaning yeah. like I only care in reference to the lion, not in reference to the show. Right. I think the show, the get you can have, because this is a guest, it's it's guest dependent. Yeah. But it's still something going on that's bigger than the guest. Well, yeah. It's Arsenio. Because you're a good interviewer. You know, that's the thing. You know, when you know how to interview people, you get to pull stuff out of people that the average person interviewing wouldn't. Yeah. wouldn't. And that's what makes it entertaining. I like to I like to give people an interview that they never got. And you do that. Yeah. But also the feel and the production, it's like I don't feel like I don't feel like, oh, I'm only going here because this person's there. Yeah. But sometimes it's like, oh, I, I think this will be a good exchange between both these people. So I've had that happen. Like my my most views, I got twenty four thousand views in like a couple days. Mm. But twenty one thousand was at the moment it aired. Mm. And it was because of who was on the show. Yeah. And I, I knew I was going to get the views. Yeah. I wasn't even worried about that part because I see what they do on their own. And yeah. what was really dope about this particular guest is he promoted it as well. That's what's up. Right. Well, a lot of guests don't promote your show. Mm. Well, he promoted it. I'm talking like text messaging to his whole da- database of thousands Same. of people. So yeah. I knew I was getting the views. But... At the end of the day, you have to pimp the situation. Yes, I'm going to get these views because he's here. How can I make these people How stay? do I keep them? Yeah. And I have to pull something out of him that they never saw. Yeah. And the fun, and the trippy thing was they don't get to see him laugh. Yeah. So I'm going to make this a lighthearted interview. We're going to weave in some heavy stuff, but we're going to crack jokes. We're going to have fun. I'm going to show them a different side of him. And that's and, dope. To this day, that's one of my most viewed vid- videos because they don't get to see that side of him. So if you're not researching the person, that's one thing I hate about people interviewing people. They don't know nothing about the person. Yeah. If I got to interview somebody that I don't know nothing about, I am literally researching them like the feds. <laughs> I want to know as much as I can know about them so, I, so it can spark a very interesting question mm-hmm. that they're not used to. I hate the... What you got going on? What kind of advice do you got for somebody trying to get where you trying try, try to, uh, to get? And, you know, uh, how can people find you? It's the same shit every fucking interview, and it's boring. Yeah, it, it, it becomes very flat. Yes. If that's it. Even if it drives into, like, I mean, Lord knows, there's so many relationship and sex podcasts or whatever. Like, even if it becomes that, but... It's like you want to, like you say, you want to trigger something where it's going to be an art of conversation. Yes. Instead of like, you know, like kind of like if this is a job interview, you want it to stand out somehow. 
you don't want it to be like exactly you know, you know in five years you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying like if you know is it ever right to steal and it's like in reality it depends on the situation it's like this is an interesting guy yeah you like, just said something that got me thinking yeah I I love questions that make them go damn. Nobody never said that to me before. They yeah. like, damn, that was a like. I love doing those because mm-hmm. I know that person that's watching. If they're engaged, they're like, shit. I want to know too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And that and that takes, I think, a presence of mind. Hence, I think it's bigger than like the guest itself because you're going on that journey. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's just guest driven, it's just like, you know, whatever. You just you know, hey, LeBron James, you know. You win another championship. You think you better than Jordan? You think you and it's like, come on, man. Why would you even interview him like that? You yeah, know I'll, like, I'll be like LeBron. Let's let's keep it real. Do you think you play better with the ball spot or with the hair transplant? Hilarious. <laughs> and that right there, he's gonna open up and be like, oh, who's this guy? And then the, the next thing you know, it'll it'll open up a different type of conversation and everything. Now I'm really wondering what his stats was. Hilarious. What his year stats was with the ball spot Hilarious. versus after transplant. What the what was the stats? Hilarious. Hilarious. But stuff like that is the <laughs> stuff that like I think, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I you know, I mean, I probably I mean, this is Detroit is different. So I would ask him, like, yo, man, I doubted you in the beginning, but then when y'all beat the hell out of Detroit Refford and Deion Harris was my guy. I was like, you the man, and you was playing at Cleveland State in high school, man. Do you even remember Detroit Refford? And then he going to be like, I don't know what he would say. But I know that was a really hyped-up basketball game. But that's the angles in the streets mm-hmm. we going to drive down, you know, just due to, like, how we do content and how we present things. And then, hence, I'm audience. This is the other thing. The audience itself, like, we're going on a journey. Like, the I love everyone that comes on the Detroit is Different journey because yeah. they're – a part of it, good, bad, or indifferent. Because sometimes people go back and say, yeah, that was a rough one. And it was like, yeah, it is. But they like the content so much that it's the arc of it. I like that all the old stuff is still up because you all are seeing the, the manifestation. Growth. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, this is really dope what you've been doing. Like, I, it took me a long time to get over here. But, you know, people was telling me and I was like, you know, I'm calling you the old name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he say, like, okay, so Way is my rap name. So he still yeah. will call me Way. Like, a lot of people, like, if people call me Way, I'll know what era in life I know them from. Exactly. So it's like, I know exactly. this guy from this era. You exactly. know what I'm saying? Like, or I know her from this era. So, yeah, and, and really when I think about that class, and I, I do want to ask just one last question on hip-hop, and okay. then I got my last, last question. Okay, let's go. Um, last hip-hop question. In this, okay, where it's at? Because it's completely the metamorphosis and everything. And and I was uh, blessed with the opportunity to do something with um, with U of M and Wayne State, Nick Speed, Sterling Tolls about the history of Detroit hip-hop, Destinations yeah. of Hip Hop. Mm-hmm. So the question I got that really sparked a whole lot about this is place for hip-hop. Do you think we're going to end up with some more places where live hip hop is going to be welcome as the art form itself is becoming more of, you know, it's not going to be the dominant popular culture, I think, that it was for such a long time. Do you think there'll be some venues that really welcome some hip hop live performance? 
No. Mm. Unless we make them. Mm. Um, two, two, it's gonna, it's two, two stipulations. We gotta make it, and we need subgenres. Yeah. Because right now everything is called hip hop. Everything is called rap. And some of these guys ain't even rapping; they singing. And you got very positive music, but it's in the same category as the "I Want to Kill Everybody" music. Mm. So these venues are like no hip-hop because the loudest people are the ones saying all of the damn ignorant shit. So until we can separate this stuff and we create our own venues and show that there is an economy in non-violent, non-ratchet-ass music, no, because niggas shoot clubs up. Niggas fight in the club. People are enjoying killing each other. What what venue wants that? And unfortunately, we get grouped in with them. Mm. So no, nope, it ain't gonna happen. Mm. Damn, that's deep. That's deep. I mean, I actually concur with a lot of what you said because, I mean, if you look at the insurance policy, the minute that you're doing an event, exactly, <laughs> and it say what type of music, <laughs> exactly. I mean, we check the box for rap. <laughs> we cannot exponentially that. <laughs> we cannot deny that more rappers die off of violence more than any genre of music. Mm. A landslide over a hundred times to the point now when you hear that somebody got shot, they say rapper, 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 and they on some gang gang shit. You don't hear that about. Country singers, you don't hear that about. I mean, and granted, you know they had a, they had an incident in Vegas, you know, where there was a mass shooting yeah. at a country concert. One time, mm-hmm. we are killing each other every day, mm-hmm. literally every day, in the name of hip hop. Mm-hmm. And now look at what's going on with Puffy. They talk about he didn't kill, he didn't had pot killed, and. All of the other stuff, yeah. And he was the one that made the fun music. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So this negative stigma that hip-hop has is is going to kill the business of it eventually because people are not going to want to be associated with it. So do I see venues? No. I remember when it was a show every other day. I was performing five times a week in the city Mm. to there's nowhere to go perform. Because they won't let you do it. Uh, the damn Hopcat, I tried to book the, the Hopcat some 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 uh, some some years ago. They say, yeah, $1,500. Sweet. And you got a guarantee. I think it was like 16000 in food sales hmm. for a rap show. Yeah. You think, so what you're telling me is I owe y'all $17,500. Why don't I just go and put that down on the venue? Instead of begging to pay you. Yeah. But there ain't enough of us with that mind frame. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So until these mind frames change, until we start to start uh, getting an economy with nonviolent music, no. We're not going to have no venues to do this stuff. And I already hear the rapper disclaimer. It's like, I mean, I killed him, but I ain't killed him. It's like an analogy for like, you know, this my is gun. entertainment, but I'm real, though. <laughs> Fuck out of here with that shit, man. 
and then that that person be dead tomorrow. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, man, you gotta you gotta separate that shit, man. And you know, I'm sorry, conscious crowd or non-violent rappers, y'all gotta learn how to be louder. Mm. Y'all gotta learn how to be louder because it's way more than y'all than than the world know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Speaking of which, and, and we probably may want to. This is this is a first time mention in, in the world of like mix ups and stuff. Okay. And and now since you talking it and with it, we gonna get you involved in it somehow because I think you'll love it. And I don't even know in what capacity, but something creatively. But me and the person that everybody always confuses me with, my big brother in name and game, and like I always hats off to him. Me and Kari Turner. Cause people always like Kari from the Kari from the right. Kari from the mm-hmm. Kari from the same name. We about to do a project and some music together now. Cause I never thought he would get out the gate and do it more, sooner than I would. Okay. So when I saw him doing that stuff, I was like, "Damn it! Let me bust, let me let me get the dust off the microphone." So we gonna do some stuff together. Yeah. So since we doing some stuff together, and now we talking it. Oh, but the shits! I ain't never stopped. Like I got, mm-hmm. I got projects in the in the in the, the uh, tank. I already know you do, but I'm saying like me and Kari need to get some of that same energy. I think you ain't no telling. Yeah, you know, you know the saying. older you get, the more you stop giving a fuck about saying what's what's uh, right. Before you be like, uh, I don't know, people receive it like, no, nah, it's real shit, and I'm saying, it, and that's just that. I like it. If you got a problem with it, you just gonna have a problem with it. I'm right here. I like it. I like it. All right. And now, now comes that classic. How do people connect? How do people get to the music? <laughs> How do people get to the content? How do they connect? Uh, I am Dean Beans with a Z at the end on everything. Okay. So for those who are not do not have one social media handle, please change that because you make it hard for people to find you. You got that right. I am Dean Beans. All right. Now, a lot of people duck this one, but I know you're gonna take it. Yeah. Favorite adjective. Favorite adjective? Mm-hmm. I don't think I have one. Oh, I didn't think you was going to duck that one. Whatever, I'm, what comes to mind? What was the first immediate? Literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tougher one than, than for people that I thought it would be. Who thinks of that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a favorite one. I'm sorry. You got to give me a, another crazy question. I don't know. That's the one I'm trying to ride with for the longest. It's tough because people are like, what is uh, And it's like, what's the first visceral reaction when you hear that? What's yours? Mm. Amazing. Amazing is your favorite adjective. Yep. Dude, I, and I'm having a dead moment because I really don't have a favorite adjective. I know Billy Carson says amazing all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buster Rhymes says the most incredible all the time. Yep. Um, I have one. I don't have one. Oh, man. I say I say a lot of them. I, I just I don't have one that I stick to. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, so, so I got onomatopoeias. Okay. Yeah, my favorite onomatopoeias is uh, Booyah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why and is that? Because I use it like it's it means it, it sometimes it's an adjective. You know what I'm saying? If you ask me to describe something, I'd be like, booyah. Mm-hmm. Using it totally out of context, but we understand through the context of Yeah. 
the tonality of voice. Yeah, what that means. I love ever since I've I've read the word onomatopoeia. I just I love when people use sound effects to to, to mean stuff to mean stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't have an adjective. I just got an onomatopoeia. We gonna roll with that. That's an interesting one. Cause yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we gonna make booyah the adjective. Booyah. Nah. Yeah. Okay. Booyah. There we go. Cause that's definitely, and that goes back to your childhood listening to that cooling the gang, all that yelling and f- that loud funk. Because yeah. there was a lot of that. Just absolutely. It, a lot of that music it, it wasn't words. <laughs> you just got Jungle Boogie beautiful. had only one word, Jungle Boogie. Then he was like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he said nothing on that whole record. The music was just aggressive. Damn! Now I gotta listen to that. You gotta listen to it. Turn it on loud, bro. <laughs> it was it was mix and master to perfection. Mm. Like it was so. It's such a good sound, and it's all live instruments. Ah, oh, incredible! Cool in the gang. Cool in the gang. Jungle cool in the gang. I think I still like Summer Madness more, but Classic. cool in the gang. Classic. We Absolutely. win it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. I appreciate Peace. it. Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.